Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbett have a podcast, a show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're talking about Catch Me If You Can. Welcome to Miami Mutual Bank. How may I help you? I'd like to cash this check here and then and I'd like to take you out for a steak dinner. <laughs> Are you a real life pilot? I sure am, little lady. The jump seat is open. It's been a while since I've done this. Which one's the jump seat again? Dr. Connors to the ER. Dr. Connors to the ER. This is irrefutable evidence that the defendant is lying. Special Agent Hanratty, FBI. Hello, Carl. You're going to get caught. It's like Vegas. The house always wins. Some nuts flying around the country posing as a pilot. Call him the James Bond of the sky. Hello, pussy. This is by far the best date I have ever been on. He's a tit. That's why he doesn't have a record. 30 milligrams of codeine every four hours. Do you concur? I concur. Dr. Harris. Yes? Do you concur? Concur with what, sir? As always, I'm the host, Corbin's Vocal, and I'm joined by my co-host, Maybe uh, the second mouse in my life, <laughs> Cody Webb. Cody, how are you doing? Doing great, man. Yeah, really appreciate that intro. You know, great stuff for for you. And uh, yeah, out of those two my, mouse mice, we can't. <laughs> I wish you do it. I would say, you know, I'm probably the first mouse and you're probably the second mouse. So yeah, you deserve those props, I'd say. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a fun one. We're talking Catch Me If You Can. It's been a little bit. Uh, so we might be a little rusty at podcasting in, in the week. We, we might have forgotten what we're doing here. But why don't we say follow us? Check us out, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Cap Podcast. Just going to post one right after recording this. So don't want to miss any videos oh, yeah. over there. And we're also doing video versions on YouTube. So lots of stuff to check out. Go check out the old episodes. And uh, this is also our 50th movie episode that we've done. So I think it's like our 73rd episode. I don't know, but it's, it's the 50th movie we've done. So we got, we got to celebrate with uh, a special one. Yeah. And it was your pick. And uh, for the 50th, I, I can say uh, pretty, pretty strongly that that's a great pick. Uh, Great movie. We'll go into it a bunch, but as well, I mean, for 48 and 49, we kind of went a little spooky and I think it was smart as well to, you know, come back to level ground when we had number 50 for, for something special. Yeah, I mean, let's get into why I picked the movie. Why? 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 But, I mean, it's pretty simple. <laughs> this is my favorite movie. I, I, I love this movie. So I wanted to go 50th. I wanted to, to bring it back from the spookiness to, to something more positive and enjoyable. And I wanted to talk about just a movie that I really love. Got to watch it a little bit more critically this time around, and we'll we'll get into some of that, I'm sure. But I think it's a great one. I think timing-wise, it's also great. Steven Spielberg making his return, directorial uh, return. When was the last time he came out with a movie, Cody? Do you know? Uh, (laughs) Well, he's coming out with a movie, uh, The Fablelands, pretty soon. But... Oh, it was uh, the musical, West Side Story. Oh, yeah, West Side Story last year. But that didn't really feel like anything, right? Like, nobody saw that movie. I think this is like Spielberg's (laughs) big return. What do you think, Cody? (laughs) I guess. I mean, I feel like he always makes some Oscar bait that's super forgettable. But I will go into it more later. But, I mean, he's one of the longest working directors. And, like, each decade he kind of pumped out something new and different. And I think this, like, sort of reinvented what he would do in movies almost especially like what he did in the 90s so yeah Spielberg I mean nowadays I would probably say like he's a little bit washed 
but uh, <laughs> still an all-time director i mean this movie for like speaks for itself for that as well well in limited release this weekend as we speak and uh, mm-hmm. opening wide in the next couple of weeks the fablemans um, i don't know we'll see it looks decent paul dano it's basically autobiographical but many of his movies uh contain elements of his life which i'm sure we'll get into let's get to the initial thoughts cody good morning vietnam i'd love to hear uh what you think initially yeah um not a ton of initial thoughts i mean i'm kind of on the same page with you i think you stated this was your favorite movie of all time it's definitely top 10 for me i'd say it's just one of the movies i've seen the most i feel like i've said that multiple times on this podcast but i don't know i i think maybe this was around like 11 or 12 for me uh i feel like one of the big things about this movie is it is super rewatchable which is why i like it um and then another thing uh, it's super quotable. This is sort of like the Princess Bride 2.0 for me. So it, it, I did like see it early on in my childhood, and the quotes just stick with you. I mean, the obvious one that we always do, the mouse speech. Um, Two little mice. <laughs> I do a terrible impression. I'm sure it'll come up multiple you've times. Done it, you've done it, uh, I think, a handful of times already on the pod. I expect a few more in this one. <laughs> but, uh, a couple other quotes I love. Muscles cliff right off your neck. That's a great one. And then the knock-knock joke with Tom Hanks. Oh, would you like to hear me tell a joke? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear a joke from you. Knock-knock. Who's there? Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> it's a personal favorite of mine. That Carl Handwriting, uh, you know, accent as well is perfect for it. But in general, I mean, like I said, I love this movie. One, one little thing... I did, this is the first time I noticed when watching this movie. I guess it's the Rotary Club. I thought um, Christopher Walken was always in the Notary Club. I know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> so I actually had to look up what the Rotary Club is. You know, it looks like a nice organization. Yeah, charity Makes organization. Sense. Makes sense. It's a big deal that he, you know, he won an award. But for the longest time, I thought it was Notary. So, you know, shout out for Christopher Walken. Actually, a really good guy. But yeah, I just thought that was funny. I finally noticed that in this viewing. But yeah, very positive, obviously, in this movie. There's a lot to talk about. You, you mentioned your first time, you know, maybe being 11 or 12 when you saw it. I think it was very early on for me as well. Uh, we I hear a lot of movie podcasters or like movie people talk about how like there are certain movies. Shawshank's a big example of one that like ran on TV a ton in like the 90s and kind of had that second revival. And kind of you and I are both of the age where like we watched TV growing up, but I feel like when it would come to like those i don't know just like our relationship with tv is a lot different than people maybe a generation ahead of us um especially right now and considering watching tv but this is a movie i feel like that was on tv a lot that i definitely saw on tv for the first time because you know obviously it came out like right after we were born a couple years after um and then kind of just stuck around and it i remember you know xfinity well before it was xfinity comcast on demand like pulling this movie up and watching it and like my brother and sister watching this movie and I just like being there in the room and it definitely came up a few times in my childhood and it's it's kind of always stuck with me and it's very much a a movie you could watch the first half of and just stop watching or you could pick up halfway through um, which I think is awesome I do want to talk about the true nature of this story do you know anything about the you know the issues that might be (laughs) there might be about that I believe recently, um, I don't know how recent it was, but I think it came out that Frank Abagnale kind of lied about all these lies as well. So I don't know, like, obviously it says in the movie, you know, based on a true story, 
but you know recent events i'm not entirely sure is that what you're talking about yeah so i got some wikipedia research for you here nice. Cody, and, I'll, <laughs> and i'll lay it all out for you in in the greatest con the con man himself lied about the all all the cons isn't isn't that incredible so all the way back in 1978 this movie was published um, in 1980. So in 1978, San Francisco Chronicle reporter phoned a number of the institutions that he claimed that he worked for, and they found no evidence. None of those places said that this guy was ever there. Of course, Abagnale said, well, you know, why would they want to admit, you know, if they'd be embarrassed? Um, right. He also later said, well, I actually changed the names of all the institutions. So the places you called weren't the places I actually did this act because I didn't want to, all very shady, right? In 2002, upon the movie's release, he further addressed, you know, the the issue of its truthfulness. And he said, on a statement posted to the company's website, he said, I was interviewed by the co-writer only about four times. I believe he did a great job of telling the story, but he also over-dramatized and exaggerated some of it. That was his style and what the editor wanted. He always reminded me that he was just telling a story and not writing my biography. Specifically, the amount of money of bad checks that he wrote and the specific years in which he did the crimes. I think there's another thing where it's like he was in jail for like a five-year span when he said he was committing a lot of these crimes. Since all the way going back to the 70s, people haven't really believed it. And then in 2021, it was further proven that it was mostly all fake a uh, group of journalists, documentary filmmakers, FBI officials, people all came together. And when he was confronted with the facts, he admitted to lying and embellishing the truth. Uh, in general, he just kind of <laughs> avoids responding to requests for explanation. Because uh, it and, and the thing is, this this happened all in like the late 60s, early 70s. So it's so much easier to fake all this stuff. Like there's not like it, today, if someone tried to do this, pretty obviously like would get you know, disproven rather quickly, but there's just not a ton of records. Um, and he was obviously lying. It, what, what do you think about that? Does that make the movie worse or are you still okay with it when it's not as truthful? Yeah, that's all I was going to ask you as well. I mean, I feel like it, it should affect the movie, especially, I mean, now with all of that coming out, like in recent, recent years, I would say it does maybe take it down maybe a step, which sucks. But I mean, it is still a story like about these two characters. It doesn't necessarily have to be real. Um, but it's kind of like the horror thing we've been talking about. Like the most realistic is kind of the scariest. And maybe that's true in, in dramas too. Maybe, you know, the most realistic is the best. I don't necessarily agree with that. But I mean, it doesn't help like the movie's reputation. And Frank Abagnale, you know, just seems like a scummy guy in general now. So kind of not a likable character. Like, uh, I mean, he's, he is played by Leo, which helps. But <laughs> the real life guy, I think the real life guy also has a cameo too. At the very beginning, right? He's, uh, he's one of the French police officers, I believe. Oh, I thought he was one of the guys, like, at the very beginning where they're on the game show. I thought that one, like, uh, when they're saying, oh, I'm Frank Abagnale, I thought one of them actually was. But if he's a French cop, I guess that's cool, too. But Yeah, you know, the thing for me about the truthfulness is, like, I think as a child, when you see, like, true story, you believe it, like, 100%. Yeah. So especially a movie like this, and I saw something, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, it Maybe it hurts a little bit, but I, I know, all up. movie, all true story movies are mostly not true. The thing is, like, even I own the book. I haven't read the book, but I at least own it. I can pull it up here in a second, I think. Oh, here it is, right here for the people. Um, <laughs> read the first chapter. I do own it, but the thing is, even from the book, Spielberg changed things, right? So it's like movies make up stuff. They change stuff. It, it's fiction. It's enjoyable fiction. It's a fun story. It's got a great cast. Um, it's got this just like 
sense of adventure boiled down to into it yeah and i think it's really great so why don't we go ahead and move on to uh roll credits roll credits i'll kick us off actually for this and um i think i wanted to include this was my first initial thought of the movie uh people have guilty pleasures you know uh i have guilty pleasures you know th- survivor is the obvious one that comes up my guilty pleasure for movies is this opening sequence i don't know why <laughs> but i fucking love it it's one of my favorite scenes. It's not is even that going to be the the clip of the week, Cody? Or is it? It could be. You know, the thing about the opening is it's animated, obviously, and there are other movies that do this. You know, um, obviously, you know, another one obvious, <laughs> another one that comes to mind is Monsters Inc. But that entire movie's animated, but it's kind of the same. But I really Man, the early two thousands, dude. <laughs> I know. I love that style where you put like a catchy, cool song, and then just like animated people, you know, trying to catch each other. I think that's dope uh shout out the soundtrack there uh one of the more underrated ones of the 2000s i would say but yeah i I love that opening scene just all the spy stuff too i I think it's really cool but what do you think about that i'm obviously a big fan yeah it's really cool it's it just sets the tone for the whole movie it's got the score which is done by john williams um has kind of that james bondy spy versus spy like feel to it and this kind of sets that up where it's like this is a spy movie even though it really isn't Leo is kind of, you know, emulating James Bond throughout literally and, you know, metaphorically. And yeah, I think it's just a really cool way to open the movie. I don't know if it's, it's my guilty pleasure opening, but (laughs) it's a sick opening. And then it it goes into the scene that you talked about at the TV show, which is Mm -hmm. to tell the truth that's set in 1977, where three contestants appear all claiming to be Frank William Abagnale Jr., which is just something that actually did happen. He did appear on this show, the real Frank Abagnale. What do you think about opening the movie with that, Cody? I think that's cool as well. And uh, I'll get into it a bunch more in like the good, the bad, and the ugly. I really love like how the scenes are cut up in this movie. I think it's done perfectly. And that sort of, that's just kind of just like, oh, trying to grab your attention of like, who is this guy? Like he, did he actually do all this stuff? Like how in the world did he do that? I think it's just really cool. My name is Frank William Abagnale. My name is Frank William Abagnale. That's another quotable part. <laughs> Number one, what is your name, please? My name is Frank William Abagnale. Number two. My name is Frank William Abagnale. Number three. My name is Frank William Abagnale. True. Oh, you could we could list off the quotes all day, I think, but that was a cool thing. And as well, I wanted to talk about the, the closing, too, because I really like the style in that, uh, sort of the directorial style of just like, oh, the camera zooming out for like an extended period of time. I mean, that scene has to go on for like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes at least. And it's just background. Like it's just stock stock footage, basically. People just like working in office. But I really just like, it, it's focused in on, you know, the, the relationship of Leo and Carl Hanratty. And then it just keeps coming out. And it, it's, a, it's a happy ending too, which I mean, I was talking for. But I really just like the directorial style and, and kind of like the difference between the opening and the closing is, it's a lot different just like thematically um kind of like oh you're, you're having fun with the spy thing and then the end it's like oh it's like this is a cool relationship even though they were adversaries yeah i mean i think that's that's what this movie's about it's about their relationship at its core like everything else it, it comes down to their head-to-head battle and then like you said eventual friendship because that's the thing while they're adversaries for much of it like there's this affection and friendship that kind of grows there there's a reason that 
Carl Hanratty saves him from the French prison. Like he wants him to, to make it back to the US. Okay. Yes. He wants to capture him, but like he has this, you know, respect for him throughout. And he, he thinks he's just a kid. Like he sees that, you know, his lost, you know, child, you know, Leo's kind of a replacement for that. And the same thing, he's kind of a father figure to Leo in a way, Cody. I mean, it's a cool <laughs> relationship for sure. And that's a great way to end the movie. It's got a lot of layers, but yeah, I think that ending goes, goes about as perfect as you can get. Uh, this movie's co-written by Jeff Nathanson. Cody, do you, are you familiar with any of his other work? I don't believe so. I, I should be more, you know, up to date on Jeff's work, but has yeah. anything else good? Um, well, Speed 2, Cruise Control. Um, <laughs> okay. Rush Hour 2. So those were prior to Catch Me If You Can. Then he goes on, he, he helps Spielberg out again, does the Terminal. Um, he does Rush Hour 3. He does the story for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Cody. Not good. Um, things, things go a little south from there. Lego Indiana Jones 2, the adventure continues video game characters. Um, <laughs> I guess that's probably just characters taken from his movie, but he does the Tower Heist screenplay, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tale, Tell No Tales screenplay, and then, of course, The Lion King in 2019. And we'll be... Uh, in pre-production on Mufasa, the Lion King prequel being directed by Barry Jenkins. That's cool. I mean, if he's attached with a good director, you know, maybe that'll change things with, with Barry Jenkins, but yeah, not, not the best track record you ran out there. Ups and downs. Kind of surprising. You made such a gem here, but yeah, I mean, from that list you just gave me, this is by far his best work. I would say not even close. Hey, just wait for uh, the Mufasa prequel movie. I mean, Barry, Barry Jenkins is a dope Hey, actor, Barry Jenkins, I, I believe in it. I believe in it. Um, one other thing, interesting, DreamWorks, Cody, is that's always kind of a weird thing to see in front of a movie that's not am, animated. Obviously, yeah. you, you know, DreamWorks, Amblin Inter- Entertainment, Spielberg's CEO of that, it's kind of all connected and that's why. But uh, a lot of great classic animated films in the DreamWorks catalog, as well as, of course, Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> What's your favorite DreamWorks uh, movie? Uh, Shrek. Probably of Shrek course. 2. <laughs> That's basic. I was going to... What's yours? I think it, Megamind is a, a DreamWorks one, right? That's a classic. I mean, there's, I love there's a movie. ton of great I, ones. I think that's the most underrated animated movie of all time. Will Ferrell. What a You sound like Connor right now, honestly. That's <laughs> You and Connor. <laughs> boss Baby, that's that's a classic. <laughs> I'm more of a Boss Baby 2 kind of guy, but I guess. Yeah, well... You know, we all have our things. Crudes, How to Train Your Dragon. I mean, Kung Fu Panda, that's actually a good one. Yeah, Kung, Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon actually have both, like, very good franchises. The so. Madagascar 3 movie, which was the uh, the product of uh, Noah Baumbach's divorce, had to make some money, <laughs> so he wrote Madagascar 3. All right, that's enough talk about DreamWorks. <laughs> Back to regularly scheduled programming. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Good, Cody. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of good, yeah. There's a, a few things I want to shout out, and we've already been talking about the script, so I'll just start with that. I think, like, and I said this before as well, like the different eras, uh, how they cut it up, I think it's absolutely perfect. And even like the deeper emotional writing behind the story, like the connection to his parents is like super strong at the beginning. I really like that, especially with his dad. Um, the scene where you know he gets in trouble at the school, and then when they leave the office, him and his dad, they're like. They laugh and they're like, oh, wow. Like, are you serious, bro? You actually did that. Um, I love that. And then sort of the changing of that, like you said, to, to Carl Handratty, sort of 
you know, it is a little bit father son, but I think just their friendship in general is dope. And then the connection as well and the story beat of, oh, they're always talking on Christmas, Christmas Eve, whatever it is. Uh, I love that as well. And then obviously the ending in France where everything goes down. But yeah, I think the script's airtight, about as good as it gets. And then the other thing I just love about this movie is there's a lot of small performances that you may forget about if you only watch this movie like once or twice. But I mean, this supporting cast is about as good as it gets, especially when the two like star characters are super compelling. In Leo, well, especially looking at it in night. hindsight, 20 years later, yeah. looking at this cast, you're like, as wow, well. this person, this person, this person. I, I mean, mean I'll, I'll name them all for you. All Martin right, let's Sheen. hear it. it. Martin Sheen's great. Amy Adams. Come on. I can now love Amy Adams movie. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken has no screen time in this movie, and he is the best actor, I think, no doubt. Oscar um, nominated for this performance. Yeah, and deservedly so. He might have won. Did he win? No, he, he deserved didn't. it. Rip. Jennifer Garner. She's okay. And then, um, oh, who's the last? Elizabeth Banks. Tiny rules well, but I think she's cool. But I mean, also, just like- of course, James Brolin, Josh Brolin's dad yeah. plays the, <laughs> the guy that his mom is cheating on him with. Um, also, Ellen Pompeo from uh, Grey's Anatomy, right? She shows up in the movie. Um, who's so, yeah. that? Who's Ellen Pompeo? She's another, like, I think, she, oh, she's a. <laughs> The oh, flight attendant, the first yeah. flight attendant, I believe. I didn't know she's in Grey's Anatomy, but yeah, she's good. She's the, as well. like the main character of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched an episode. Don't come at me. But um, yeah, I think the cast is just unbelievable, especially for an early two thousands film. And uh, pair that with the perfect script. I mean, this is about as good as it gets here, just storytelling wise. Yeah, the, the the cast is absolutely electric. Um, you talked about kind of the way the scenes are cut together. It's it's almost strangely paced. Yeah, but it's in a really good way, and it works perfectly for the way the story it's telling. Um, this isn't a short movie by any means; it's like two twelve, maybe I think, uh, definitely over two hours. But it just is kind of a roller coaster of emotions throughout. It goes from like happy to like crazy, sad, depressing, lonely, lonely moments to, to to you know ex- exciting, uplifting, you know positive love. You've got like the lowest of lows, like Leo and the scene with Jennifer Garner as the the model slash prostitute to him yeah she's definitely a prostitute yeah um <laughs> is like really depressing when you think about it like what's happening yeah. um he's he literally has no one in his life and you know this is what he's doing he's paying a thousand dollars which actually he's getting paid four hundred dollars because yeah. of some <laughs> unfortunate connery happening but uh yeah it gets really sad at points i mean his, his dad dies in, in the midst of the story and it shows the lows and the highs, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Also, you know, in the words of the great Harry Styles, the, it, it feels like a real movie, you know? Like, it feels <laughs> like a real movie. My favorite thing about the movie is, like, it feels like a like a movie. It feels like a real, like, you know, go to the theater film movie. <laughs> which is just that's a pretty good accent. That, that's pretty good you about it. You need to work it out that. Um, this was out. shot, but indulge it. Like, it does feel like a movie. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, 157 North American locations. It's got these huge movie stars, Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, all this great supporting cast. It's directed by Steven Spielberg. Like, I don't know. You, There's just a certain air to it that it's kind of just leagues ahead of other stuff. I was going to say as well, I feel like movies like these don't get made anymore. I feel like you hear that a lot today, but I mean, big stars, big director, and it's just a fun, like con man story. 
there's no like big action set pieces. Because there's there's movies with big stars, but it's like how many car- stars can we just throw in this movie that are marketable? Not this is good yeah. actors. That's the thing. Yeah. All these people are like good actors. <laughs> I mean, ridiculously good actors. You got Tom Hanks and Leo at your front too. Those are debatably the best two, you know, the past twenty years. So, I mean, and then we talk about the supporting cast too. I mean, it's hard to you know poke holes in this movie, which we'll get to, but. I love the cast. This this cast is up there with the best of the best for me. Um, there's there's a cool thing about just like TV and movies, the way it plays a role throughout. Um, you know, he sees James Bond. He has you know the love of comedy. But he's he watches Barry TV. Allen. He watches TV to like <laughs> learn how to be a doctor. Um, just that that cool appreciation is, is always fun in movies. You know, respecting the art that you're making. Um, and then you mentioned that final like thing in France that him and Hanks in the the factory where the stuff's being made and he's rushing around and you know, it's kind of a con, but it's not. Um, there's some cool like Dutch angle shots in there, just a really fun scene and, and a great way to kind of end that him, you know, finally being caught. Yeah. hundred percent. That France scene is, is one of my favorites by far. Yeah. Him watching TV for like the lawyer and then the, the doctor, do you concur? That's another great quote. <laughs> I mean, you could go through like every scene and, and just pick out a favorite quote, I think as well. Which is cool. All right, Cody. Let's get on to the bad. Mm-hmm. It's time to get nitpicky. I think, you know, story-wise, it's pretty tough. The the one qualm I do have, it's more of just like a general question. I mean, this kid, the his age is confirmed. He's like 16, 17, 18. 17, like, yeah, yeah. So when when does he get married? To Amy Adams? Like <laughs> well, Cody, that was, I, that was going to be the ugly for me. <laughs> Well, I just don't understand like how this kid is so young. Well, it does gets away with all this. It happens over a period of many years. But what you're identifying in general is, I mean, the problem. And it, the thing is, I mean, obviously, it didn't actually happen. We've we've already talked about this, but mm-hmm. a lot of this is kind of just nonsense and luck. Like, if you really, yeah. if you really think about like how, first of all, he goes and he's interviewing the guy to the pilot. He's doing the school newspaper bit, whatever. The guy just has his three-year expired FFA license on him or FAA. Like, why does he have that? It's three years expired. <laughs> and he just gives it to him. When he gets the suit, the 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 pilot's uniform, they're like, we're just going to need your ID number. How does he even know how long the ID number is supposed to be? Like, what if it's a 10 digit? What if it's five? Like, there's just some <laughs> bullshit here. Um some poor police work <laughs> um, at yeah. different points in this. Why is the machine? This is, a, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Was the machine that he used to, to print the checks in Europe, did he bring it to that city or did it just so happen to also be in the city that his mom was from? Yeah, that is a big coincidence there. I think it was because, just in the city because they're saying, oh, these, the ones that he made could only be from like these three places. And they're like, oh, one of them's France. And Tom Hanks is like, Oh, I, you know, he said a city there once, so he must be there. That's just, I mean, if there's only three places in Europe and it happens to be the small village that Which his mom is, is from. It's that, lucky as hell. And in the FBI guy, I was being like, you're not chasing him through Europe. Like, you're not going out there. You're not going to get him. And off this, oh, tiny hunch that he's in this, you know, one city he mentioned once. I mean, honestly, not great police work, you know, probably defund them a little bit. But yeah, it, it's kind of lucky as well, I think, going back to their first meeting. Like, how does he get out of that situation? Tom Hanks, yeah, maybe you're like sort of a rookie, uh, sort of FBI guy, whatever organization there, I don't even know. And obviously you like just formed this new team or whatever. 
but come on, you could just get like deuced by a seventeen seventeen year old kid. Yeah, when you you had him dead to rights, like the guy said, "Oh, don't harass my customers, whatever." And he's like, "Oh, he's still here." And he said, "Yes." So that's the guy in the room, Tom Hanks. I I don't understand, but. Yeah, kind of just like a lot of tomfoolery just always goes his way, it seems. It's you have to you definitely have to suspend your disbelief a little bit to to get through it. But it's so fun that I'm kind of okay with it. I'm okay with like letting all that slide because if you just like if you do just sit down and just give in, like it is a fun ride to get there. Um I do have two explanations for uh potentially why all of this works. The first one um on a you know kind of ethereal level. Um, he's just a handsome, unassuming white guy in the 60s that gets him like 90% of the way there, to be entirely honest. Like that's 100% it. Like he's a good looking, yeah. attractive, like young white guy. And it's, like, that's, that's part of it. And the second thing on a more practical level, his dad does own a stationary store. So when it comes to like the the bank fraud checking stuff, like it's in his DNA to have a little bit of understanding about how those sort of things works. It's never directly said, but there, there is the one scene where you see Abagnale stationary. So there's, there's two, you know, explanations, but that's really all you're going to get because it's, it's mostly just bullshit movie bullshit beyond that. I mean, yeah, a lot of it is BS, but I mean, they do provide an explanation at least. And um, I mean, they like lean on it. They have fun with it with like the James Bond stuff. They like, Oh, this kid could do anything and get away with anything. So I, I think they did it, you know, in a fun way, at least. The last thing I'll say, uh, the dude who like pretend he pays his driver in the Miami International Airport that he paid money to sit there with the pilot's hat on. <laughs> Terrible actor. <laughs> just a really bad one scene. He gets out and he's like, some guy paid me to sit here. <laughs> just like some of the worst. Whoa, act. don't shoot. <laughs> it's really bad. Some, some guy told me to pick somebody up. I agree. <laughs> that guy we need to find his imdb but uh <laughs> that guy probably has about as good as work as as the writer for this movie so <laughs> not great <laughs> that was all the bad i had i mean like like i said like i feel like you do have to get ridiculously nitpicky with this movie and i didn't come up with too much for me honest let's move on to the ugly and i i do have a, a few things that, that that do apply here um <laughs> you you started to mention it cody Mm-hmm. him getting married to amy adams i don't know how old he is i think at that point we, we can probably assume he's over 18 because it's been a a few years right I jennifer guess. garner though yeah at that point like, he is definitely still 17 now she doesn't know <laughs> but that uh, is like statutory rape but that that is an unfortunate i mean also he's paying for sex which is a whole another thing illegal. but that just a really uncomfortable scene like when you think about it in, in out like in context of how old he is and how old she is um, so not not a great thing in your movie. I agree. And that was 100% my first point as well. I mean, yeah, she's she straight up just a prostitute. There's no other way around it. And, uh, you know, it's super immoral, both in just that sense. And, like, he's probably underage, what you said. But, um, yeah, that's the main ugly. Another thing, you have a couple other things, but I did want to bring this up. This movie, does it pass the Bechdel test? Um, I'd say astoundingly no. Uh, there's basically no female characters. I mean, there are some. But they definitely don't interact with each other, like, at all. So I think that's a little ugly for, for an early 2000s movie. But, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my my jumping off point for just kind of my general, like, a main ugly thing. We talk about, you know, he gets away with so much of this because he's, like, this handsome, attractive guy. And it's really also because, like, if most of the women in this movie are just portrayed as being complete idiots and, like, dummies and falling for stuff, like, 
the women at the bank are just like, you know, like Elizabeth Banks character. It's like, because he says, you know, you know, she's has pretty eyes and, you know, the same thing with like the Amy Adams character. It's all just like him, you know, being hot and they're just women that are, are too stupid and are so infatuated with that, which is ridiculous. Right. There's also like the move with the whole necklace thing, kind of creepy, kind of skeevy, this whole thing of just like, oh, this necklace fell off your neck, like to the women, he does it to the flight attendant and then, you know, has sex with her or whatever. Um, Just very strange. Again, when you just turn your brain off, it's like a fun movie to watch. When you start to look at it critically, it's like, yeah, women are pretty mistreated in this and also like are not the center of the story whatsoever. It's very much a story about a man, man and his father it kind of vilifies his mother in this story, which is interesting. A lot of Spielberg movies are about, um, he, he is a child of divorce. A lot of his movies are about single mothers. I think Fablemans is very, you know, autobiographical in a way. So we'll see more of that. But in this one, it's like the mom is like, as soon as she, you know, cheats on her dad is gone and out of his life and you never see from her again. And it's awful. And it's like Christopher Walken, he's kind of just a goof and a goon and like, who knows what's going on. But Uh, he continues to appear in his life and he has like no need for his mom, which is strange because the whole reason he ran away from home was that he couldn't decide between the two. And yet he he clearly picks his dad as the movie continues. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you even have scenes where Christopher Walken comes back. It's like three scenes, I think, where they meet up, but like he never even tries to get in contact with his mom, it seems like. So kind of weird story point, but it's true. And then, yeah, going back to, I mean, like all the women in this movie, they're kind of like over-sexualized, I feel like too. Even like the airport scene where, you know- Well, that's very much, it's like women are dumb and men are distracted by women. Those are like two of the key, like to to almost every scene in the movie. Those two ideas are are constantly at play, which is not great. (laughs) I think it's it's just showing of Spielberg, maybe early 2000s. You're not wrong. The more you think about it, I feel like the worse it kind of is about this movie, which is tough. And one last thing for the ugly- Going further into like representation, let's talk about the non-white people that are in this movie, Cody, because I think you could, count, you could count them on your hand probably. Um, I, I, I saw three in particular. There, there might have been a couple more you know, extras background. These are pretty close mm. to extras. First of all, there's a guy I saw on the street early in the movie, um, like right <laughs> when he becomes a pilot. Okay, um, just a guy. The there was the kid who got in the bicycle accident. Yeah. And there was the guy singing at the wedding. I think those might have, those were the only three people of color I really spotted in this movie, which is not great whatsoever. It's true. And well, it takes place in a lot of locations, but I mean, primarily like New York. Um, which is a very diverse place (laughs) yeah like i'm sure there is other people in the background but those are like the three most prominently featured that is true which is none of them speak well the kid with the the bicycle accident kid maybe he does true he says like uh, how (laughs) my my leg (laughs) it's one line it's something like that but yeah no now that you bring that up as well um not great no. I mean, not e- not even really a character. Those are just background characters. Yeah. And, you know, being a doctor and knowing how to provide medical care is also generally pretty important. I could, I would, you know, he's never actually piloting any planes. When he's a lawyer, he's not really like doing anything that harms. But like when he's a doctor in the ER, <laughs> that that's kind of a, a bad position to impersonate in, in a time of need. Yeah. I feel like it's genius though, because, oh, as the head doctor, you never actually have to do anything. You're just like, oh, what do you think you should do? Rather than just do it. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's super, everything he does is super immoral. I mean, it's all against the law, but I think the kid's leg was fine. Like they had, you know, people there who knew what they were doing. 
the way it treats women is, is definitely not great. But like this, this movie is not mean spirited in any way, which I think is why I can accept and recognize some of those other shortcomings and still enjoy it because it's not like out to be hateful towards anyone or, or, or to cause any ill will towards people is, is what I would generally say. Yeah, I would say the story is not like trying to say anything about, you know, gender rights or yeah. even just like men in, in general. Obviously, there's like these undertones, which are, you know, more you think about it, like not great. But that's not like what tr- the movie's trying to say, at least. Yeah. But I mean, still not great. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not great. Let's let's talk weird movie details trivia. Okay. <laughs> Naked grandma! Naked, huh? <laughs> Dude, I got a couple of just absolute great questions today. I got, I got some fun ones as well, so this should be good. You, can, you, you should start us off. Mine are, mine are ridiculous. In the movie, he goes to see a James Bond movie and then obviously buys the car, gets the haircut, the, the suit, uh, everything. Which, which James Bond movie does he see? Is it Dr. No from Russia mm-hmm. with Love, Goldfinger, or Thunderball? It's a good question. Like I said, I've seen this movie a lot. I believe it's the one... Well, maybe I'm just putting this in the movie, but I think it's the one with Pussy Galore in it. But it might be the other one. I think it is from Russia with Love, but I could be very wrong. I, my second guess would be Dr. No. It's Goldfinger, which Damn. Pussy Galore <laughs> is in. <laughs> okay, well, I just got my James Bonds mixed up then. But that is a great question. Thank that, you. That's, that's good trivia you can get there. So props. My first question and my two connections, I mean, my two questions do connect a little bit. Also, I I tried to, like, find small details from this movie, and I couldn't come up with anything. So we're going back to the original weird movie trivia, where it has nothing to do with the movie. So, <laughs> this is about... You Jennifer couldn't stump Garner. me on anything about this movie anyways, Cody. Yeah, I know. That's probably true. But I don't know if you know this. Which credit card company does Jennifer Garner been the spokesperson for for the past 10 years? <laughs> And there's no fucking, there's no. <laughs> Does Jennifer Garner seem like a, a Mastercard user? American Express, Discover. If you want, um, I'll give you a hint too. Their catchphrase is, uh, "I'm sure you've heard this out of Jennifer Garner's mouth." What's in your wallet? <laughs> oh, well, that's Capital One, right? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Capital One. I appreciate the hint. I, I definitely needed that. I wouldn't have got there. Not a capital. I personally am not a Capital One user. Um, so, I don't know anybody who uses Capital One from Rihanna, but Jennifer Garner does. So shout out to her. She's a big fan. She's a big fan. She's in this movie. Yeah. My question for you, number two: Abagnale sold the rights in 1980 to his story, and in 1981 they announced there was going to be a movie made with an era-appropriate actor. Is it A. Kurt Russell, B. Dustin Hoffman, C. Michael Douglas, or D. Chris Christopherson? Mm, it's a good options. Uh, I mean, obviously, these guys are going to be mostly on the younger side, which is cool for their career. I feel like Dustin Hoffman makes a lot of sense because I think he did have some success early on. So uh, I'll, I'll guess him. I hope it's Kurt Russell. but It was Dustin Hoffman. So good guess. Do you know how old he would have been in 1981, though? I mean, probably like 30. How old, how old 44, was he? surprisingly. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he was kind of old. He's an old guy. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's miscast, but. Do you know how old Leo was in this movie? Twenty-eight. Well, there you go. He looks—he looks about that, and yeah. uh, that's why. I mean, we didn't even—that should have been mentioned in bad. Like, I, I don't understand like how he gets casted as an eighteen-year-old and gets away with it. When, well, it's because uh, he's yeah. got to play 
multiple ages. He has to play an older character, though, too. If it was, like, centered around, like, an entire high school movie, I think you'd give him grief. But since that's only, like, the first half hour, like, nobody even mentions that. But, uh, yeah, my second question (laughs) about Tom Hanks. Basically, he was a spokesperson in another movie, and um, it was a – he was playing himself, though. So what movie did Tom Hanks play himself as a spokesperson for a campaign about a new Grand Canyon that isn't near anything that was ever there before? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, this question, it's worded really strangely. I also probably haven't seen the movie. I think you probably have. But uh, basically, he's, he's doing a campaign for a new Grand Canyon. I got that. And, and his, li- his line is at the end, this is it's not near anything else that was ever there before (laughs) i've seen too many movies i don't i don't remember cody what is it it is uh the simpsons movie oh you know i was almost thinking that that's what it was (laughs) i should have said that yeah what else would he have cam you know as himself and i feel like that is a pretty difficult question if you're not thinking about the Simpsons movie, yeah, it doesn't apl- it doesn't apply to any other movie, but yeah, it, I will say it crossed my mind, but I'll take the out <laughs> one. Um, this is this is a tough one, Cody. This is how good of a friend you are. Uh-oh. In my very own short film, Contactless, mm-hmm. go check it out on YouTube if you haven't seen it. I have seen it. Um, that that was for the people. There's a <laughs> reference to this movie, the only movie that I referenced directly. Very quick, short. If you don't know it, you don't know it. But uh, there is a reference to this movie in that movie. What is it? <laughs> I definitely don't know. I would guess you. Um, well, I don't know. Hmm. Let me think about your movie. Is there any like? There's no, there wasn't like a a pilot tag or anything. It's related uh, to a prop. <laughs> yeah, that would be my guess. I mean, the thing that comes to my head is you know you put like a mouse in. It's a it's a milk or something. That makes sense. You're all over it. Okay, so yeah, in the film, when he pulls out his phone and he's getting the call from the pizzeria that scares him, the name of the pizzeria on his phone is Two Mice Pizzeria. Yeah, there's a little picture of a bucket of milk as the content. I do remember that. Um, And and, uh, yeah, that was my my catch me if you can reference in contactless. That's not surprising that you know you put that in, but that is a cool little shout out. Go check out Corbin's short film if you haven't seen it as well. I gave it a five star review. I think it is actually really fun, and um, I need to watch a couple more times because I I don't remember all the references of the belly. But yeah, <laughs> hey, Go there's layers, out. people. There's hidden things. Honestly, yeah. wait for the director's commentary. That's dude. That's what makes a good director. So hey, respect. <laughs> all right, let's uh take a quick commercial break. Go check out the film while we're while we're yammering about Anchor. <laughs> And we'll be right back. And we're back with Welcome to the Academy. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Um, You know, we we have some awards I'm sure we'll give this movie, but I want to talk about the actual Oscars in in 2003. This movie at the 75th Academy Awards was nominated for two Oscars. Of course, Christopher Walken was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. We kind of already mentioned that. He lost mm. to Chris Cooper for Adaptation. Um, for the Muppets? No. <laughs> yes, for the Muppets. <laughs> and then it was also nominated for Best Score. John Williams with a little shout out. That's lost deserved. to Frida by Elliot 
Goldenthal, but that was the only nominations this movie got. So uh, what do you, what do you think about that, Cody? Are you, are you mad? I feel like that is pretty disrespectful. I mean, I would, I would throw acting noms all over the place. I mean, Tom Hanks, I would think definitely would get one. Um, well, that's a question. Tom well, Hanks yeah. or Leo, who, who, I mean, Leo's the best actor, right? So it is tough. I don't know. I, I think performance wise, they are, you know, pretty even. I might give the edge to Tom Hanks, though. Obviously, Leo's great, but I think like all of his stuff with the FBI is kind of another layer that he has to deal with, too. And he's great. But as well, another classic seen... Tom Hanks accent. <laughs> yeah, he's really good at those, especially in uh, Pinocchio. But um, have you seen um, Adaptation? I've not seen that. I haven't seen it. You know, I've, I've heard good things. Out. I've heard very good things. I, I think it was nominated for a lot more than this movie and had Nicolas Cage starring in it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Charlie Kaufman, Spike, Spike Jones. I mean, we love Spike Jones and, of course, you know, Nick shut, Cage shut and Meryl Streep. Shut up, Moneyball. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say in general, you know, this movie at the Oscars was, was snubbed big time. Yeah, and, you know, this – talking about leo and tom hanks they're both great um i think this movie is kind of a cool passing of the torch moment between the two early 2000s obviously leo has titanic in 97 and that's like his big moment but like for him transitioning into like getting nominated multiple times every time he has a movie come out this is probably one of the last times in 2002 both gangs of new york and catch me if you can a release what a year for him and then, you know, following that, you get like The Aviator in 03, Departed in 06, you know, like just like bang. Obviously, Wild he doesn't run. get nominated for yeah. all that stuff. But like, you know, just some real bangers. For Tom Hanks, this is at the end of, not the end, but like nearing the end of an incredible run. This is his seventh movie that to gross over $100 million in a row. Unprecedented wow. stuff in the 90s. So both of them, I think, would be worthy for an um. I think Tom Hanks, you probably have to go best supporting actor. But for yeah. me, Leo should have gotten best actor. And I mean, I'll say also Spielberg, give him best director nod. Give it a best picture. This was a year when there was only six nominees for best picture in 2022 with 10 nominees. I'd say it probably sneaks in, right? But do you know who won best actor and best director in 2003, Cody? I cannot tell you that. Well, it is a controversial pick, which is what makes oh. it even worse in hindsight. So best actor, Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, fine guy. That's decent. But the movie that he was in was The Pianist, directed by Roman Polanski, who is a not a good person whatsoever. 1977, he was arrested and charged with drugging and raping a 13-year-old girl. He was going to plead guilty he did um but then the judge kind of changed his mind and said he was going to reject the plea deal which listen i believe in fair and you know fair process of the law and in correct courts roman Polanski's he's not a good guy so i think he should be in prison and that's regardless of whatever happens with this judge um but basically the judge decided he was going to re- reject the plea deal and put him in prison for 50 years i would be okay with that personally he Again, drugged and raped a 13-year-old girl. Um, Probably deserved. But his plea was he was going to plead guilty to like a lesser sense of like, uh, you know, something with a minor, which is, you know, he was admitting he did it. Um, When he found out he was going to get the 50 years, he fled the country. So this is a man who in 1977 fled the country 
and has not returned to the United States since then because he of these charges. In 2003, directed a movie that won Best <laughs> Director and Best Actor. I'm guessing he wasn't there to accept the award. No, he wasn't. Um, but, Sadly. But Adrian Brody That's was. Insane. It wasn't until uh, 2018 that he was officially removed from the Academy. Well, uh, that was information I was not aware of. But um, that's absolutely insane. I, I don't even understand how, you know, that that happened. But, I mean, knowing the Academy, I, I guess that kind of makes sense. But I, I think that's probably over the line there it, <laughs> in 2003. There's a lot of layers yeah, to it. That is the, insane. The woman that it happened to has kind of had to deal with a lot of, like, journalistic back like has had to deal with this for many years and at this point she's just like oh I don't even want to like talk about it I've moved on you know so it's really tough but there's like a ton of people in Hollywood who have like come out like prominent people you can find that all signed a letter saying like Roman Polanski is a great guy and should be let back into the country and like should that he's served his time and like he's had to like deal with like it's just ridiculous and honestly like if you there's a lot of people on that list of names that still support him Um, which is pretty ugly all in all not great catch me if you can (laughs) also maybe like we said maybe not the best movie in terms of representation but hey should have been up there (laughs) in the awards race instead of deserved it yeah it deserved it even immensely more now um after all that so there there are people there are people who like you know separating the art from the artist is a is is something when it happens prior (laughs) to like maybe you knowing or maybe before they did something terrible. Um, But like with this, this was 20 years after he had already been arrested and charged. Like I I've never seen this movie. And honestly, I don't really have any interest in in ever watching it. I don't know. It's just a Roman Polanski. I don't think you can at all defend it. And it's just abhorrent decision. It's just ugly. It really is just ugly from the Academy, especially too. Yeah. That's wild. Let's, uh, get into the rest of our awards our our more fun <laughs> ones Cody um I gotta give this movie the award for the worst way to die uh falling down the steps at... <laughs> Did I you're so mine <laughs> falling down the steps at Grand Central Station that is a it's, way to go that I do not snapping want. your neck in a broken yeah. neck just blunt force trauma to the neck in the in the train station brutal the mouse guy deserves better you know yeah. The second the second mouse guy deserves better. <laughs> also, speaking of <laughs> best award acceptance speech, two mice, incredible stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we played the clip yet, but we're gonna play it right now. Roll it. Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that Eventually, he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. (laughs) Give me your best impression. There it is. Two little mice fell into a bucket of cream. (laughs) One mice quickly gave up and drowned. One mice? The other mouse, he turned that butter into cream. It climbed out. <laughs> I said turn that butter into cream. As of today, I am, I am that second mouse. mouse. Walking, nobody does it like walking. Leo gives the biggest standing ovation I've ever seen in my life. He knows how great that speech was. It's really incredible. 
Cody, <laughs> what other awards you got? Anything? Yeah, worst movie death. That's up there for sure. And then secondly, I I had to point it out. This has got to be the best Leo hair that we've ever seen. And of course, I'm talking about the long Leo hair. Uh, you know, the been in prison for five years, Leo hair, little ratty, but he does his castaway thing. He gets his castaway moment. We we don't get to see this guy with long hair literally ever. So I think this has to be in contention for, for his best look in the movie. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of men. I mean, myself, I have some long hair, but there's a lot of guys early 2010s. We're, we're rocking the long hair, the man bun, the pull back. We never saw it from Leo DiCaprio. That's, that's unfortunate. He never had his like grunge fade face <laughs> face. but uh yeah you know just something we missed out i think as you know society maybe you know give him five more years he'll, he'll go down that that darker path for us. it's it's really i think he just tailors this look to to whatever the 25 year olds are are looking for it at any given time um it doesn't matter if he's 17 or 50 he's still going after the 25 year olds that is true i guess that that's a <laughs> fair assumption from this movie okay let's talk invite fight in night. I dump thee. Sir William. Similar to Mary Fuck Kill. Who do we want to invite on the pod? Who do we want to fight in hand-to-hand combat? Fisticuffs, some might say. And who do we want to knight as our as our hero, as our best friend? Cody, um, take it away. Who do you want to invite on the pod? Yeah, this was a tough choice because there are a lot of interesting characters. And um, what I based it on, basically two things. One, interesting stories two great voice and you know we've already been talking about him it's christopher walken it's frank abagnale senior um he is more of the stel- the storyteller i feel like than than frank jr uh he's obviously got some great war stories he's got great stories about mice um so you know you bring a mix of that i, I think he'd be a great guest in the pod you know, he really it, reminds me of his character in Pulp Fiction. Like, it's a very similar thing. It is. Honestly, like, that could be the same universe, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, you know, Leo DiCaprio. Walken. He, he, that little mice was also him shoving the watch up his ass. That was, like, his mice moment. Same thing. Right? Pulp Fiction. <laughs> We've all seen it. Um, for me, you know, you talked about someone who, who has some good stories to tell. This person could probably be a little boring if he talks about his casework. I got to go Carl Hanratty, but he's got an incredible voice. He, he's someone you want to listen to. Carl, yeah. Carl Hanratty. <laughs> I'm a dude. I'm on a dude. Is the French people? <laughs> Carl you live, Hanratty. You, you live in the East Coast. This is your best impression. Just oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> get, get, let me hear it. Let me hear your Carl Hanratty. <laughs> I want him to be Carl on the pod. Han- Hal, Henry, Hal. Do the kind of knock, knock. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. That's actually not bad. Frank? But, Frank, yeah. how'd you pass the bar in Louisiana? <laughs> <laughs> so you sound like Christopher Walken. <laughs> Frank, your dad's dead, Frank. I'm sorry. I digress. Uh, yeah, Carl Hanratty. I mean, he's basically here with us right now, but True. it'd be great to have him on the pod. Good choice. Good choice. If we want to move on to uh, the fisticuff, you know, there are a couple people to pick here on, uh, on a good fight, I think. But uh, you mentioned him earlier. I'm going James Brolin. Um, I believe his name is Jack. Jack something. Mm. I'll tell you what, just a scummy human being. First off, you know, he is, I believe he's the president of the Rotary, not Notary Club. Um, Jack Barnes. 
Jack Barnes. There it is. Good luck. Good, good, like full name, Jack Barnes. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, he's the president of this company. And then you're going to sleep with, you know, the wife of this guy who just won like a, a yearly award. Yeah. Just not a great president. The, the way he honest. like cockily talks to Leo when Leo shows yeah. up is pretty bad. Oh, it's so patronizing, I think, to Leo. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to sub me in for Leo at that specific moment. And, uh, you know, just deck him. So I think I could take him as well. He's, you think that, that saves the family, Cody? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I don't want to get it. We we don't have to get into anything super personal, but does this move? I mean, how uh, do you feel about this movie? <laughs> on a... Oh, not to get personal. Yeah, you know, um, I was in a similar situation to, to Lee with this movie. You know, I didn't, you know, get to see Jack Barnes or anything like that. So it didn't bring up any Vietnam flashbacks. But <laughs> that, you I played mean, to Spielberg probably, in that way. Yeah, I mean, that is probably why I connected with this movie as well. I, I saw it when I was pretty young, going through similar stuff. So there's definitely a connection. You're not wrong. Yeah. For me, I want to fight the French prison guards because those dudes are just assholes. <laughs> you know, human rights uh, are important, and that is not a very uh, well-maintained prison. Uh, I, I can't speak to the, the historical accuracy of the French prisons in the late 60s, but I mean, not to say that American prisons are much better, but, you know, I, I think people should be treated with some respect, I would say, you know. Frank is not a a murderer or anything terrible. <laughs> I mean, even then, everybody you know deserves you know a little bit better living conditions than that. It sounds to me like you're defending this guy. Um, well, the but... French, you know, the French, you know, also again, the French police they have they they don't want to arrest Roman Polanski, so maybe it's all rooted in that. It's the same thing. <laughs> um, the Frenchies are not getting away with any of this today. But uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, for a, a subtle charge like this, you know. There's no violence committed. It seems a little bit harsh, the conditions they're keeping. It's like he's a war prisoner. I mean, he's like dying, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like a you know prisoner of war scenario. But yeah, the French, hopefully it's changed since the 70s. Because, uh, I mean, if you get arrested there, it seems like not, not a great place to be. No, absolutely not. Which which specific guard did you want to deck? Anybody specific or just the um, you know, the, the guy who's like, he needs a doctor, he needs a doctor. And he's like, he's got to wait. <laughs> All right, you, you can take that guy. Yeah, um, easy. You got it. Tell me who you want tonight. So I got to give respect to somebody who doesn't get a ton of respect in this movie, and that's uh, mm -hmm. Brenda Strong, Amy Adams. You know, I I think nice. she she's a respectable character. She's she deserves more than what Leo gives to her. Honestly, the whole reason he becomes a doctor is just so he can fuck her. Like that's really what it comes down to, which is pretty bad. Again, we, we're going back to the ugly stuff, but she deserves better. She's great. She comes from a good family. Um, obviously there's a little bit of a strange abortion storyline, which kind of plays in there. Um, you know, Roe v. Wade's in 1973. So it, it makes sense that, you know, a movie that takes place in the late sixties, early seventies to have kind of like this back alley abortion kind of subplot in it, um, which is unfortunate, but you know, Amy Adams is a good person who, who deserves more respect from her parents and, and from Leo in this movie. True. Yeah, no, um, that was 100% my number two pick. And uh, we we really haven't talked about Amy Adams enough, I think. She's uh, phenomenal in this, but an interesting character as well. Yeah, a lot, a lot of layers behind her too. But uh, that's a great pick. My pick, I'm going off script. I want to knight Steven Spielberg. Um, not a character in this movie. I don't give a shit. Uh, this guy, the work that this guy put in, you know, before I was even born, is quite incredible. He's basically made it a couple classics every single decade. Uh, just to run through it super quick. I mean, the 70s, obviously, Jaws, and then, you know, even Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is great. 
going into the 80s, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., come on. Going into the 90s, Schindler's List, Jurassic Park. I mean, he's he's pumping out two classic films every 10 years. Quite unbelievable. And like I said earlier, I mean, he's probably a little bit washed. He's, he's not doing that, you know, in the 2010s, I wouldn't say, or, or the 2020s either, but just, you know, knight this man immediate, immediately. You know, I don't, I don't care if he's American. Uh, he created, you know, some of the best cinema of our time. So, so were we, us. right? Hey, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's one of the great American filmmakers for sure. No doubt. Uh, yeah. Like you said, I just think it's probably the kinds of movies that get made, you know, in comparison for some of the magic he has, but even like West side story, was pretty damn good like someone who doesn't love musicals like the the ability he has to just like sit on a wide and let you take it all in he is a masterful director he always surrounds himself with great people obviously the john williams scores um you know recent collaborations with tony kushner both on west side story and now the fablemans yeah i he's one of the greats and i think that almost is a detriment to this movie because i there's probably a lot of people who haven't even seen this movie because I feel like this movie is really underlooked. You know, we were talking super highly of it, but when you talk about the best Spielberg movies, most people wouldn't include it in the conversation. If you talk about the best Leo movies, probably most people wouldn't include it in the conversation. Personally, I I disagree. I love this movie, but it, because of the greatness kind of surrounding it, this movie gets undervalued a little bit, I'd say. Yeah, no, it's hundred percent true. I don't think this movie gets talked about enough. Obviously, with like within our circle, we talk about it a bunch, but for the mainstream, I mean, this is probably in the vicinity of a top ten movie for for Spielberg. No, I don't. But I, I mean, don't. I, I feel like we're getting into the. I don't want to sound like a pretentious asshole, but like only only we respect like catch me if you can of like. Oh, I want. I want to sound pretentious. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, I'm. I'm. There's. This is obviously a well loved movie, but I feel like if you look at what are the best movies, not a lot of people are throwing this one up there. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. I'd say it's probably in most people's top 10. But if if you were like, oh, what's your favorite Spielberg movie? I would say like, oh, 90, probably like 90 out of 100 would definitely not say this movie or even have a thought of this movie. So it, it is interesting, like what sticks in the cultural zeitgeist like longest. But Spielberg, you know, he, he throws everything at the fan and it seems most of it sticks. So, yeah, respect. All right, let's move on to the recast. Bond. James Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bond. James Bond. And uh, to to preface this, this is incredibly difficult to recast. I took kind of a weird approach of it, which I've done before, and and bring it more into the modern, you know, actors and actresses. But I think for the most part, and I've said this already, like, this is perfect casting. But I do want to hear you. Do you have some good picks or do you want to take them? Well, I, I also agree. This was extremely difficult. This was the one thing where like I had every all my notes filled out and I just like didn't know what to do with the recast. I was like, I have no yeah. idea. I will say that growing up, I was confused Christopher Walken and Steve Buscemi. So why not just throw, <laughs> throw him in there in the role and see what happens? I, I'd love to see it. Um but I also try. I, I wanted to do like an updated version, and I did only recast the Leo role. Um, I'm okay. assuming you went a little bit more deep, so uh, I'll throw it over to you, Cody. What do you, What do you think you want to do? Okay, so um, first off, I wanted to recast Jennifer Garner. I'd say out of all the small roles we were talking about before, she probably has, you know, not the best performance out of those. Not that she's bad or anything, but you know, this actress I, I have been wanting to 
recast a lot. I think she might be getting in the Zazie Beats category where we need to retire her. But I really want to see Ana de Armas in this role. <laughs> I think she'd be perfect for it. And um, I don't really think there's an explanation needed because I, I think she's just working for it. But my second one, which I think is a lot of fun, um, I feel like maybe the the one place where casting you could have done a little better was in the FBI. And you have a couple of agents there who have some lines, but they're not memorable. Like, I don't know any of the actors or even their characters' names. So we're going to take the guy who's telling the story at the beginning about him in a bra or whatever, sort of the more comedically guy. And I want him to be placed by uh, John Krasinski. So again, modern day, but sort of just having like that subtle, maybe drier humor than uh, the actor who portrayed that role. I think it'd be a little bit like fun change of pace and, and uh, you know, give the FBI a little bit more fun. John Krasinski is a fun pick in there. He's, he's great in an office. He's great in a workspace, I'd say, especially. Um, for me, I, I want to replace the Leo role. And I, I wanted to go with someone who, funny enough, is 29 years old. And I think kind of can play the younger and a little bit older thing. Um, and that's Will Poulter. He's a good looking guy. He's, he's got some charisma to him. I think he can play a little bit. eyebrows. Some some shithead too. Yeah, you know the eyebrows are interesting. That 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 maybe makes him stand out a little bit too much. But I think if you're gonna do like an updated catch me if you can, give me the mini series with Will Poulter on like it's probably like a shitty mini series on Hulu or something. But I, I'd like to see it. No, I, I think it's a good pick and kind of just like and a, John Krasinski oh. can be there and and on and on. Heck yeah, I think that's actually a good recast. But yeah, eyebrow kid. You know, he's not good in Maze Runner, but. Everything else I've seen, man, he is good. So I back it. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, move on to the rating. You're going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? So for me, I'll, I'll start. I you, you said this was your favorite movie, so I'm expecting <laughs> big things regard. <laughs> this is my favorite movie, so I will rate it very highly. I can't give it a 69 just because of when watching critically. When we talk mm. about some of the ugly stuff, it, it's hard to be like, this is a perfect movie. So I'm going to say 68 because I still think it is really great. And it is the movie that a hundred times out of a hundred, if you ask me to sit down and watch it, I will say yes. Like I am always down to watch this movie. It is insanely rewatchable. Um, And it's just like, it's so fun. It's it's fantastic. It's my favorite actor. It's a fantastic director. Um, 68 out of 69. Yeah. And, uh, I can't believe it went that high, but respect. Um, I 100% agree with everything you're saying. I'm going to go with a 65 out of 69. I think this place is at, you know, pretty much where I want it. Yeah, like I said, it, it's definitely, you know, in top 10. Maybe not in that top five, but uh, definitely an upper echelon movie for me. Five stars, no doubt. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but in a couple episodes, we're going to take a look back at the last 50 movies that we've talked about. Um, and kind of <laughs> retrospectively maybe rank them, look at some of our scores. Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, readjust some scoring and stuff, <laughs> uh, fix my scoreboard potentially. Uh, but yeah, look forward to that. And uh, I would say Catch Me If You Can is now very high on the list of our of our favorites so far, but lots of good ones. True. That might have the best rating, honestly. It's got to be up there. Hey, tune in to find out. <laughs> I will. I'll be there. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to defeat the watch list. All right, so back in our last episode, uh, Tyler Cagle had me watch They Live, yeah, yeah. another John Carpenter movie. I've been really on a John Carpenter uh, hit as of late. And uh, Cody, have you seen this one? 
I have. I, I, I do think it's a good movie. Super, super fun. I think um, last time when that was mentioned, I, I really had to hold back from saying, I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. But yeah, what, what do you think about it? Cody, I thought this movie rocked. Like, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I really liked it. It might, well, I, I think the thing is, again, Matt, we've, we've talked about this every time. This is probably my second favorite Carpenter movie at this point. I will say, you know, going into like, it, this movie has kind of been claimed by some people with views I disagree with, particularly uh, anti-Semites and, mm-hmm. you know, this idea of like, oh, Jewish people are the ones that this movie's about and they're running the world. Obviously, that's ridiculous. That's not what this movie's about. It's about the, I mean, it's about capitalism and the way that we treat people and the way that capitalism, it, specifically that, I, I do not like the reading um, from that perspective. And I disagree with that. I don't want that to be thought of yeah. when I say I really enjoy <laughs> this movie, especially when there's a lot of that in the media today and a lot of prominent figures uh, that are that are saying some pretty anti-Semitic things and not uh, not apologizing for it whatsoever. So that's not great. But this movie does rock because that's not what it's about, which is fun. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it is really just a dude's movie at this core. Uh, yeah. There's a 10 minute scene where Keith David and uh, Roddy Piper (laughs) just fight in an alleyway, which of course Roddy Piper is a WWE, WWF uh, wrestler. And then Keith David, who's fantastic also in the thing, a couple other Carpenter stuff, just brawl in the alley and just fight each other because he doesn't want to put on sunglasses. Incredible (laughs) that you can just do that. Like you're just allowed to do that in movies. Who doesn't love that? Um, and then also like thematically, there is some stuff that I really appreciate. Like I, from a political and, you know, like economic perspective, like I agree with a lot of the themes that are happening in this movie. Um, it's a pretty tough pill to swallow. Like there's a homeless encampment where the police come in and like bulldoze the entire thing and, and like beat the people up and arrest them. And yeah, that's a pretty clear message i i think at the at the core of this movie and uh i thought this rocked it, it was really cool you know obviously it's kind of a re- reaction to reaganism in in the late 80s but looking at it in 2022 it's yeah it still hits i'd say yeah i i agree completely i mean the more you delve into this movie i think the better it does get too but just like on the surface like you said it, it's just so much ridiculous fun and, and i yeah, hated it probably... when i first started it i was like this is so dumb <laughs> and then as i got into it i was like this is actually really smart and like it's goofy and yes there's a wrestler at the core like he's no the rock but it it uh yeah it, it was a lot of fun true i forgot i was gonna say something earlier actually tom hanks is is kind of the rock of uh you know the 80s and 90s he's just he doesn't mess with the box office every single movie over 100k insane but uh yeah i'm glad you enjoyed they live because that is one of it's kind of like a, it, it's low-key like a guilty pleasure for me but I still like respect a lot of the movie too. It, it has more like deeper themes than you would think. Well, it's time to pick the next one, Cody. How do, we, how do we want to do this? Back to me picking. Haven't done this for a little. For some reason, I, I kind of just want you to watch a comedy. So I say you go in that category. Two hundred eighty-three films. I I say, is there any like twenty tens in there? Is there like oh 2011, 2012, 2013? There, well, there's there's uh ninety films from the decade of the twenty tens. Oh wow. Yeah, okay, let's go 2012. That's a great year. We love 2012 Lions. comedy. We got four choices. Mm-hmm. Just want to hear them? Yeah, go for it. For a good time, call Moonrise Kingdom, Seeking oh. a Friend for the End of the World, and It's Such a Beautiful Day, which 
I don't know if that's quite a comedy, but we're not in kid game. That's um PTA. Wes Anderson. Right? Oh, is Wes it? Anderson. It is Wes Anderson. I've been watching a lot of Wes Anderson. Have you seen the Royal Tenenbaum? No, I haven't. Is that on the watch list? Yeah, I mean, yes, but are we, are we gonna pivot like this on me, Cody? <laughs> yeah, just because you brought up Wes Anderson. Why not? All right, Royal Dude. Tenenbaums. Go. I like that movie a lot. I'm a, I'm a noted Russ, Wes Anderson uh, denier, so maybe it'll change yeah. my mind. Well, I think you watched the French Dispatch, right? Yeah, I've seen that. You know, I like Fantastic I was, Mr. Fox. Yeah, I, I think the French Dispatch is like one of his worst. I, I haven't seen it, but maybe that's why you're not a big stand. Fair. All right, so I'll watch the Royal Tenenbaums, and then uh, we'll, we'll check back and then the next movie episode. All right, let's uh, move on to We Have a Podgorithm. With the uh, special season four deck. Do it. Break out the good stuff. The special deck has has been uh, a lot better, I think. It's really rejuvenated the segment, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the movie, Baywatch, Cody. The, the one with The Rock. Uh, you want to take it away? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so Baywatch, this is another, you know, 2010s comedy, I would say. I don't know when it was released, but you got The Rock. You got Alexander Daddario. You got Zac Efron just jacked up. I saw actually Zac Efron for his next role. He, he looks like a really weirdo. Just go check that out. But uh, this movie, I didn't see it. I'm being completely honest. <laughs> I, you know, it looked really bad, and I don't think it made any money. So I probably won't check it out. But I believe you did see it, so I'll throw it over to you. Cody, I have never seen Baywatch. We're great movie <laughs> podcasters. We we love it. Um, no, I, I figured this was one you would have seen. Obviously, based, you know. Why? It's one of those. It, uh, who directed it? Michael Bay? Baywatch. <laughs> Well, you know, it's obviously an update of the original Pamela Anderson, what's his name, David Hasselhoff, like TV show. Um, mm-hmm. It was directed by Seth Gordon, of course. Um, Don't know who that is. Who did Identity Thief and Horrible Bosses and Four <laughs> Christmases. Um, Identity Thief. Stop Baywatch is very similar to like 21 Jump Street because it was like the TV show that got turned into like the legacy movie reboot. And I think some of the original characters were kind of in there. Very 2010s thing to happen. Um, Zach Efron, hey, he might be having a little bit of a renaissance as of late. You know, he, he was uh, Ted Bundy a few years ago and then he's uh, going to be in the Ferrari movie with Adam Driver, I believe. He had a movie, The Greatest Beer Run, ever something that came out on apple tv plus this year um and then he's gonna be that you mentioned in this iron claw wrestling movie that that's uh gonna come out next year so hey we're in the yeah i feel like he has like tried to do more serious stuff the the movie that stands out for me is um that dj movie i don't remember what it's called but um i don't think he's really like a good serious actor no (laughs) I think like the roles in Baywatch, it, that is like more his style. I would say, you know, more of the fun camp neighbors, guys. yeah, like more more of that sort of stuff. He's just saying, I I don't know if I really like you know, the Afrodisance as you called it. I'm not a big fan. <laughs> so <laughs> go back to Baywatch too, buddy. It, it, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to recommendations. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I drink it up! Cody, first of all, recommend us the clip of the week. What's the clip of the week going to be? Oh, man. I did not think about this. I'll cue you up again. <laughs> all right. Cody, recommend us. What's the clip of the week? Good at it. But, uh, yeah, no, I think 
It should be the <laughs> uh, the Simpsons clip uh, of Tom Hanks doing that commercial. If you want to throw on Jennifer Garner too, you know, one of her credit card commercials as well. They're both great spokespeople. But yeah, I think that should be the clip of the week. Are you tired of the same old Grand Canyon? Here we are, kids. The Grand Canyon. It's so old and boring. I want a new one. Now! Hello, I'm Tom Hanks. The U.S. government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. Don't sell my hair, Mr. Hanks. Sure thing, son. <laughs> now, I'm pleased to tell you all about the new Grand Canyon. Coming this weekend, it's east of Shelbyville and south of Capital City. That's where Springfield is! It's nowhere near where anything is or ever was. This is Tom Hanks saying, if you're going to pick a government to trust, why not this one? Can I give it to you straight? That airline credit card you have... It could be better. It's time to shake things up. With the Capital One Venture Card, you get double miles on everything you buy, not just airline purchases. Seriously, think of all the things you buy. What's in your wallet? A two for one, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to be, you know, chimpanzee out of Segway, but we, we try. We try. We'll, uh, we'll continue on with uh, the rest of our real recommendations. Cody, uh, what, what have you been into recently? I got a lot. I got a long list. Uh, it's been a, been a little bit since we I do as recorded. Well. And um, I have been movie watching a lot, which I have enjoyed uh, a good amount. And as well, since uh, since last we recorded, I actually started binging uh, to another TV show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is something you had recommended before, I believe. And I think it's like 11 seasons. I think I'm on like season five. So I, I've been doing some work at it. But it, it's it's okay. You know, Larry David, I do think it's funny. Um, some of it is pretty outdated. Obviously, like, they started out in the mid-2000s. I don't even know. I, they might have started, like, in the 90s. I, I actually couldn't tell you. But, yeah, there there's some episodes where it's like, okay, you know, we probably shouldn't talk about that one. Cause, I mean, it's it's on HBO Max. It's weird in our... God. It's, I mean, it's it's like watching Always Sunny. It's kind of the same thing. Like, there's, there's yeah. some... Those early sunny seasons... Yeah, true. But I, I think maybe it takes a little bit too far. Not that I care. There is a fun Survivor cameo from Colby Donaldson, season two. Uh, but it has to do with like him being a. Obviously, he's a survivor. But then they bring on a survivor of the Holocaust, and they like they like get in an argument, and it's, it's kind of uncomfortable. But it's like a Survivor <laughs> reference, so I think it's funny. <laughs> That's basically Kerbin in a nutshell. So decent stuff. Uh, what are you thinking yeah. in comparison to Seinfeld? But it's it's completely different. That's the thing. It's it's hard to compare. I, I do like Seinfeld better. I mean, like Seinfeld even has like some offensive stuff. Like the contest is super controversial. But I mean, it doesn't even compare to anything that happens on Curb. So yeah, it's hard to compare. Um, Survivor, we can touch on quickly. Are you are you up to date on the season, Corbido, or are you an episode behind? I am. I'm up to date. You're up to date. Okay. Well, we missed a couple ones. Uh, Janine, 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 Janine. I'll tell you what. Um, the women are getting picked on a little bit this season, I think. And um, she didn't have many options, but I think she <laughs> made a couple wrong choices. Sadly, Dwight was voted out, which I was a little bit disappointed by because I think he's actually a fun character. But then we thought it was with Janine's idol, but then it turns out, uh, you Jesse. Know, what's his face? Yeah, Jesse has it all along. Um, I think the edit, the last two episodes, has been very interesting. Just to touch that back quickly. Uh, I think Jesse, Owen, and um, oh, what's the old lady's name? You know, crap. Whatever her name is, I think she's gonna win. 
I, I don't, I really old do. lady? I don't think there's anybody that's old. She's not old. She's like Are you talking about Carla? Lady. Yeah, Carla. <laughs> you tell me she's not old. She's like she's twenty eight. What? I'm looking at her right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, she's not old, but I do think Carla's gonna win. Um, just based off the end alone. She's got like mom energy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, she does. I don't know. You know, I I don't delve into the characters too much, but I like Owen a lot. I like Carla a lot, and I I do like Jesse. Jesse's got a cool story, but I think he might be like, oh, final five, final four, you know, sort of winner edit. But he gets voted out. But uh, yeah. Anyways, how have you liked the show so far? The merge has been kind of interesting, I think. But yeah, honestly, like the last two episodes have been just fine. I feel like like nothing too crazy. It's been, I feel like Gabler, they've been really building the Gabler stock up and then it kind of came down out of nowhere. Um, hey, don't cross Gabler because uh, you'll get voted out is is the important thing to, to remember. That is, they do keep saying that really, but I think he's got- he's the godfather. Of, <laughs> he's got, I, I, you don't even know who this is probably, but Philip Shepard, he's got sort of that energy where he's going to get like dragged all the way to the end. Because anybody can beat him. Yeah, uh, I think James is an interesting character. He he was kind of playing well, and then he just got like super cocky, and everyone kind of wanted to turn on him. So curious like to see James, what happens there. I think like him and Owen are sort of adversaries right now, which uh, is an interesting you know matchup. But I feel like there are bigger threats. So possibly seeing those two like come together. I think James he has an advantage as well. So hopefully he uses that correctly. It's the um, you, know, you can steal their idol or whatever. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, yeah. Which no one has ever used correctly. So I'd like to see that, you know, played well. And, and James is a good guy, too. So good character. There, there's a lot of good characters. Like, it's good casting. But Yeah, like, Ryan's season's... got a cool story, you know. Yeah, he's kind of on the outs right now. But, um, yeah. There's his, a... his, his gameplay is not great. But <laughs> no. I, I, I do like everybody here. Like, I even like Gabler, even though, like, he's kind of a dick. But... Cody, we haven't talked about Cody. Which, yeah. I mean, fun character. But he's kind of on the outside of all the strategy and stuff. <laughs> Janine, I, I wish Janine would have stayed in another episode just because it was such a straightforward vote this last one too. And those are always kind of boring in my opinion. But we move. I think we're on to what final ten almost. So, so some Janine was the first up. first jury member. True. Dwight didn't even make the jury. What a what a joke from Survivor. But should be expected. But anyways, going on. I do have a lot more suggestions. So I'll move on. Uh, I watched a lot of movies barbarian i checked out which uh, i love i need to hear your thoughts yeah you talked about it in the past on initial watch like at the end of it i was like okay i liked it and i put down in letterbox like three and a half stars but then the more i thought about it the more i did like it and i think it, it is just like a reinvention in a ways of horror um bill skarsgård you know where's that guy well, it's so cool. Like it plays with your expectations in so many cool ways. Yeah. The the Skarsgård character, you have this expectation of who he is and the type of characters he plays. So you expect him to be the bad guy. The Justin Long character, you know, the things he's done in the past, you don't expect him to be this. Which I think is also like a brilliant character to be this like terrible asshole like actor guy who essentially sexually assaulted somebody and is now in the downfall of it. Um, but he's hilarious in the in the context of the movie. And yeah. The, it just I, plays I, with your expectations i love his character because 100 percent, like it's realistic he would throw the girl off the water tower at the end i think it was all just set up to do that for his character um and then scars character i love that like those first scenes 
I think are amazing. Just like those two interacting, and obviously you get like some off vibes from Skarsgård, but it turns out like he's just a normal guy. It's just a weird situation. But like in that situation, like I wouldn't drink tea from that guy either if, if I was Tess. So, um, and then obviously it just goes to this underground bunker shit. I don't, I don't love the the character design of, you know, this uh, the woman, inbred women, yeah, whatever you want to call it, the mom character, and it it is an interesting enough backstory to be like, okay, that that's kind of cool, but um, in the end, I think like the script is, is the best part. I think looking the the stuff of the movie with the guy and like the setting being in Detroit and like this guy kind of acting in the eighties, the integrationism and like seeing all these people like move out of Detroit, that backdrop for the greater story is, is super cool to me um, as an addition to the story and like just an extra layer of messaging. Um, what else, Cody, what else you got for it? Lots of movies. Yeah. I've checked out a couple other movies, uh, draft day, which was the first watch for me. Shout out Jennifer Garner. Um, you know, I, I like the NFL draft a lot. And I, I'm surprised I hadn't checked out the movie before, if I'm being honest. But, um, you know, the acting's not great. The script's not great. Uh, but Chadwick Boseman's in it, so that's cool. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> as well, Don't Worry Darling, I watched as well. Finally came out on HBO Max. Um, I, I didn't like it. Were <laughs> you worried? I was, I was worried going in because obviously I've heard, you know, not great things. But I do like Olivia, you know, while as a director. I, I don't know what the script is. We, we've talked about it in the past where, you know, it was bought off as a winning script, got, you know, chopped up a bunch, but it, it's really just a bad Black Mirror episode, if I'm being completely honest. And, um, I, I who, who, which the, and the main theme of it is like women shouldn't be in the kitchen and like be housewives. Yeah. Which is like not even like modern feminism. Like that's like antiquated, that's like, obvious, yeah. 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 Like nothing new yeah <laughs> not some groundbreaking you know theme from olivia wilde but i i didn't like like i liked the performances like that chris pine and florence Pugh like dinner scene had some tension like i think their acting was was good enough to not be like, put aside as like oh this is a terrible movie harry styles is harry styles i think he's fine miscast i i don't think he's bad if i'm being honest but what about when he's Spoiler alert, when he's, you know, in the when real like world oh. with his, his beard. What do you think of that? <laughs> I think the costume design is terrible. His hair, especially, I think is really bad. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's like at that point, I was kind of just like checked out of the movie. It's like, oh, they're they're going in this direction and it's terrible. So I don't care. But last couple things, uh, I'm going to try and check out all of the um, Mission Impossible movies before the new one comes out i think it comes out like next summer so i got lots of time but um we'll hold you to it i had seen the first couple a while back and uh i don't think three was you can't really stream it anywhere so i just went straight to ghost protocol which is a good time shout out paula Patton, who i don't think even returned she's really cool and um this is sort of simon Pegg's breakout movie too and uh obviously he's he's climbing on the dara you know whatever you call it that's cool. Him running out of like the sand, the sandstorm is just visually fucking sick. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say it's a mid-tier mission possibly. I've heard the next, you know, several are, are very, very good. So excited for those. And then lastly, I still haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, we're in season two now, and um, things have slowed down a little uh, season two. The first half 
you know, it, it's okay. The second half is, is where I'm at currently. It's where we bring in all the Inhumans and Andrew. There, there's a massive twist, basically, which I'm a big fan of. But I'm on that part of the show. So if you have nothing to do and, like, you like Marvel movies, <laughs> check out Agents of CL. I swear, it's good. Just get to, like, season two, season three. After that, you don't have to watch it. But it, it's actually, like, good comic book material. Yeah, a lot of crap there. I'll throw it over you because I think you have a lot, too. But it's been a while. I do have a lot. It's been a while. 18 movies. We'll, we'll hit the highlights. Jesus. Obviously, if you got nothing to do and you're a Marvel fan, go check out Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which I did see Thursday night. I won't talk about it, but it's not bad. We'll say that. Decent, decent flick. It made it made some money this week, I believe. It so made that- more money than Black Adam has made in its entire release <laughs> this weekend. I'm I'm pretty sure. So not surprising. Rough for the Rock. Rough for DC. Important character. Important story. I'll say that. Um, other stuff that I want to hit. I saw what we do in the shadows for the first time. That's pretty cool. Taika Waititi, okay. 2014 vampire movie. I watched Scooby Doo, uh, the first one, the live action one. That's a good movie. <laughs> I rewatched Chronicle with Mina. Uh, great superhero movie. Michael B. Jordan. I saw Beetlejuice for the first time. That was pretty decent. Um, Winona Ryder's pretty solid. Um, I saw Pray for the Devil, which is a new, you know, like female exorcism movie. Wasn't great. Twist was kind of obvious. Um, <laughs> I saw Armageddon Time, which is the uh, new James Gray movie with uh, Jeremy Strong Anthony from Hopkins, Succession, right? Anthony Hopkins. Um, I picked him for, uh, I think, Best Supporting Actor. So was he good in it? Yeah, he is fantastic. He's definitely the best part of it. The rest of the movie I don't love. doesn't super work great for me. Anne Hathaway is also in the movie. Uh, shout out to her. Nice. But Jeremy Strong, I saw someone describe it as him doing a Ray Romano impression, which is pretty accurate. Uh, he's an interesting character. I also rewatched The Prestige. Mina had never seen it. What? Had to do wow. that. Had to watch it. Uh, great movie. Uh, I saw The, the Weird Owl. Uh, biopic with daniel radcliffe that's out on roku for free so you can check that out not it's more of a the movie is a parody like it's not an actual biopic i'm sure you probably could have guessed that but uh some fun celebrity cameos weird storyline with madonna kind of throughout which i didn't love otherwise pretty decent movie uh daniel radcliffe does okay he doesn't sing in it which kind of sucks but you know decent uh, I also saw Called Jane, which is the, speaking of Elizabeth Banks, kind of this story about like this abortion group in the late 60s. Um, it, it was decent. I, it didn't really like, it's a movie that was definitely written uh, before uh, this previous July in which some things changed with our laws regarding abortion. Uh, so that kind of sucks in the way it ends. Is like maybe if this was a year later, they wouldn't have ended it this way because it's a kind of very positive note in a in a rather dark and dystopian world that we live in. I saw the Banshees of Inisherin, which is just a, a jolly good laugh in time with Brendan Gleeson and Barry Keoghan and Colin Farrell. I don't know if I've heard people laugh in a movie theater that much ever. It it was just a, a feckin' good time. Um, I, I liked it really well. I also saw They Live that we talked about. I finished watching this movie called Host, which is just like this 57-minute horror movie. Um, it's very similar to like Unfriended. It's like a Zoom horror movie, but it actually was 
written and directed in 2020 and was like set in the pandemic. So it kind of plays into the story. Um, and it's only like 57 minutes because, you know, the free version of Zoom only gives you, you know, however many minutes for a call. So, which is a fun, fun thing. Um, but yeah, cool little horror movie. Uh, Mina and I also rewatched About Time, which is just like uh, one we're going to do on the podcast at some point, but just a, a really emotional, heartfelt movie. I checked out the Zen, Grogu, and Dust Bunnies short film on Disney Plus, Cody. Ooh, yeah. Three minutes long. Wouldn't recommend wasting your time, which is saying a lot. <laughs> um, weird. Listen, it's Studio Ghibli and Disney and Lucasfilm doing something together, which is cool. But it's weird, and it's not even really a story. Like, it just seems like a like something to, for people to tweet about and talk about. Like, it's not – there's no point to it. It's really kind of dumb. Maybe I'll check it out. Just to, Mina said it doesn't even look like Grogu. She thought it looked like a bunny, which I kind of agree. <laughs> so, but the big thing that I want to hit on is I saw a movie called Tar, Cody. Uh, I've seen it twice since we last recorded. It oh. is very good. And I would recommend that you should definitely go check it out. It is my second favorite movie of the year, just barely behind everything everywhere all at once. Uh, I think Tar is really fantastic. It seems very set in the present. There was a reason I saw it two times because it's dense and there's a lot of stuff in it. And it's it's one that you'll really want to like think about and, and return to. But Kate Blanchett, she's going to win Best Actress. That's my prediction right now. Uh, Todd Field hadn't directed a movie in like 16 years and, and comes out and does this incredible, just and amazing stuff. And I don't want to spoil too much about it. It's very much a movie about modern times and the idea of like being canceled and it, it's just a it's really good it's good stuff okay i'll check it out then uh, the last thing that, I, that i'll hit on uh i finished succession <laughs> we haven't got a chance to talk Ooh, about that so succession that? season three cody uh yeah, what do you let, let's about talk it? about it what yeah about the the twist the twist right into it I didn't love honestly as much as some of the other seasons that you, I don't know. Oh, Jake's Jake texted me about it. and was like, how do you not think that's amazing? Like Tom, you know, I don't know. Like, I just feel like it doesn't hit as hard for me. It wasn't as impactful. Uh, there was a lot of stuff I really liked in this season though. Like as a whole, I really enjoyed the season, particularly the early episodes where Kendall was kind of like having his like weird breakdown thing. And he was like doing the, he did like the Z way performance appearance thing, which I thought was so smart and so brilliant yes. that they brought that in like as an idea. Cause like, if you know who like so Z way is and the show she does like in real, like that impl- entrance of her in the show is really smart. Uh, especially we've talked about me like reading some real articles about Jeremy strong kind of that, like theme of him being, you know, profiled is also cool because it's something he can relate to as a real person. Yeah. What did you think about season three, Cody? Adrian oh, Brody. Yeah. Dude, the, the guest stars are, are so mofo good uh, in season three. I think they really got, you know, some more star power for those. Uh, it's Skarsgård as well. The guy at the end, I believe, um, which I'm sure he'll be back for season four. But I mean, the twist is. Alexander Skarsgård, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I just said Skarsgård. I didn't say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the name is. But, uh, yeah, I, I love this season. And um, the Tom twist, uh, I think it's up there for, for one of the best. Just any sort of Tom and Greg scene, I think is the highlight of the show for me. And then obviously you just have 
you know, Shiv kind of just being like this asshole for, for three straight seasons. And then she finally just gets slapped on the wrist. And, you know, I'm excited for season four because Brian Cox really is on his own for the first time, you know, in the family, it seems. And um, kind of having Roman on the outside, I think, will be really cool to see what that's about. But yeah, I mean, it, it's always the acting, it's always the script with succession. But I mean, when they, it, it's the same thing every season. Like, oh, there's a big twist at the end. But I don't know. I, I really like it. it. It's fun TV. And I mean, there's a ton of, there's the episode about where they're picking the next president. Like that stuff is really smart and incredible. There's like you mentioned the Skarsgård stuff. He's kind of like an Elon Musk type figure. Um, there's a lot of like reflections of, of society in, in the show, which are great. They're filming it right now in New York. I got, I got to go hunting for, uh, go see if I can find Jeremy and Kieran and, and, and see what's going on. But true the, the boat episode as well where they're trying to figure out who to, who to kill basically is one of my favorites and uh just such intricate characters as well like you have so much time with them over three seasons now like everybody has i mean kind of like didn't catch me again but i mean a lot more screen time like everybody has crazy backstories and stuff and the thing but, is uh, they're all terrible like no oh, one yeah. in the show is redeemable like they're no protagonist. even greg who is like the innocent pov type character is like not is bad like he shredded these card documents he's done all these you know they're none of them are redeemable and yet you root for them and you want them to succeed and like it they're compelling in that way and i think that's what makes it great yeah i think that's why the tom reveal is probably so great because this character's just been like oh used by everyone the entirety of the show and he's finally like you know doing something for himself so yeah good show all right Last thing I'll tell people, go check out the uh, John Wick Chapter 4 trailer. Sick trailer, and Bill Skarsgård looks like he'll be the uh, villain. I didn't check it out. Eh, check it out. <laughs> Ana de Armas is going to be in a spinoff I saw TV that. show. So that's filming now. I'd watch a trailer for that, too, sure. Well, of course you would. All right. We'll uh, see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Captain. Peace. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.